Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Come on. Who's excited? Come on, you can do better than that. Come on. Who's excited that the devil's defeated in heaven, he's defeated on earth, and he's defeated in hell? Come on, I believe this is our night for healing. This is our night for breakthrough. I'm excited to be here. You may be seated. Man, I feel, I feel the fire in here. I'm just going to completely ignore everything they said. This happens everywhere I go. This happens everywhere I go. I could be in a place, and my future wife can be sitting in the seats, and they ruin it for me after service. Nobody wants to look me in the eye. They think I'm after them. I'm like, oh, my goodness. This is... Anyway, <laughs> I'm here for revival. Praise God and awakening. But uh, listen, I, <laughs> I want to share a testimony. It's a powerful testimony, and then I want to share uh, what I believe God is saying tonight. I believe what he said yesterday, the night before, and Friday night was for those nights, but I believe he wants to do something fresh tonight. Amen. Two people believe that. Am I the only one? Did I not hear from God earlier? I, I want something fresh, something new. So just a few weeks ago, I was in, uh, I was in Texas a lot these past few months, and I was preaching uh, in South Texas, and I was with my buddy BG, and uh, we just finished up preaching at this, the Cross Church Wednesday night and Thursday night, and we had to drive like two hours to Alice, Texas for this upgrade conference, and we checked out Thursday or Friday morning. We were on a very, very tight schedule. I mean, we got the latest checkout. We hit the road. I needed to stop at Bank of America to, to get something done, so I searched in my uh, GPS or Google how far, if there was a Bank of America near me. Said about six minutes away, I'm like, thank you, Jesus, because I know there's no bank in Alice. It's like in the middle of nowhere. So we're on our way to this bank, and I'm getting excited. I'm like, all right, I got everything planned for the day. Like, we're on a really tight schedule, so I got to get, actually, going to the bank is kind of throwing us off a little bit, but just a few minutes out of our time, so it's all good. I needed to do something. So I'm on my way to this bank, and we get stopped by this train. And I'm sitting there, I, I put the car in park, we're on our phones, me and my buddy Brandon, 15 minutes passes by, my buddy looks at me, he's like, Matt, I think, I think we've been sitting here a little bit too long, we should head to Alice right now, take a U-turn, I'm like, bro, I need to go to the bank, just, let's just chill for a few more minutes, he's like, alright, five minutes goes by, the train stops, and I'm like, oh man, so I'm looking at him, he's just looking at me, shaking his head, I'm like, bro, just one more minute, just one more minute. He looks at me, the train starts going backwards. I've never seen a train go backwards. Is there anybody else in here that has seen it? Was that going crazy? I don't know. All right, maybe it's an actual thing. I don't know. The train starts going backwards. I was like, all right, all right. We're, so I, I take a U-turn. I'm looking behind me. It goes forward again, then it stops. I just, we hit the road. So we're on the expressway. We're on the 281 headed to Alice. And all of a sudden, this Porsche was on the right side of us, and it just kind of like cuts us off and takes off. And then the state trooper comes up behind us. You got to hear this. This is, this is so powerful. This state trooper pulls up behind us, and now she's tailgating me. It was a woman in this cop car, and my buddy's like, don't worry, bro. She's going to go pull over the Porsche. It's not us. I'm like, bro, she's like right behind us. We're going to get pulled over. He's like, dude, you're fine. 
I look, I'm looking in the rearview mirror. The red and blue lights come on. So we pull over to the side of the, the, the freeway, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm from Chicago, and I'm driving a car that's not mine. This is a pastor's. It's like illegal tinser on this car. I'm, we're just we're screwed at this point. The state trooper comes on the passenger side. My buddy pulls down the window, and she introduces herself. She's like, the reason why I pulled you over is because your, ex, uh, your registration is expired. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I'm trying to be smooth cruise at this point. And I'm like giving her the puppy dog face like, we're just ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please, I, we're just, we're preaching in a conference. We're just preaching Jesus. That's just love and grace and mercy to everybody. And so she, she literally had remorse from that, praise God. And so I give her my license. She goes to do her thing. And long story short, my buddy BG looks at me and says, Matt, I think we're supposed to pray with the state trooper. I said, all right, bro, I'm, I'm down for it. And honestly, I got a little frustrated because, but not <laughs> that we had to pray for the state trooper, but I, I couldn't go to the bank, and my whole time was thrown off. And how many get a little irritated when things don't go your way? You plan things to go a certain way, and then all of a sudden, everything just goes downhill. That's how God is sometimes when he steps in. I like to tell people he wrecks our plans before our plans wreck us. Anybody with me? So she comes back around again. We pull down the window. She's like, look, just tell whoever owns the vehicle that the registration is expired. Get that renewed ASAP. I said, thank you so much. God bless you. My buddy's like, hold on, hold on before you go. He's like, I know my buddy said that we're ministers of the gospel, but he starts prophesying over her life. The state trooper. And she sits there and starts bawling her eyes out. State trooper. You got to hear this. And all of her professionalism just came off of her. And she's like, you would be absolutely correct. And my buddy's just going, he's just drilling this thing in her, just the love of God, the heart of God, and just prophesying over her, just things from her past, her grandmother, just, she comes from good stock, a family of faith, and she's going to carry the legacy of her family, all this stuff, and she's just crying, she's getting wrecked. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, man, I, I said, ma'am, you, you today pulled us over, but God had plans to pull you over. I said, you asked us, you said our registration was expired, but God is downloading your registration to us, and he's completely wrecking your life. What is my point here? Sometimes you got to be thankful for the stall, thankful for the delay, because delay does not mean denied. God has something planned, but are we going to be faithful to what he wants to do rather than what we want to do? Sometimes what we have in store and what we want to do is not greater than what God has in store because his plans are so much more greater than the plans that we have for ourselves. Can I get an amen in this place? Now, the moral of the story was this. She gives me my license back. We hit the road. Isaiah, I'm looking at BG, and I was like, bro, if you think about it, if we were one minute late, she wouldn't have pulled us over. If we were one minute earlier, we wouldn't have got pulled over. He's like, yeah, that's right, but what's your point? I said, bro, the train stopped us. Then the train went backwards. 
God stopped, in other words, God stopped the train because he wanted to reach a state trooper on the side of the freeway. What am I saying? Tonight, you might come in here feeling some type of way, but I believe that God is about to stop something in your life. If he stopped his son for Joshua, he could do something for you. Come on, somebody. I believe if he can hold the train and make it go backwards and forward and stop, I don't care if that's a natural thing. He can do whatever he wants it to just to reach somebody. I believe that God tonight wants to do something to reach you. I believe that he's, he's going to do something only that, that you're going to understand. He's got something so unique for you because nobody on this earth can live and be who God created them to be like you. There's only one of you. And I just want to share just for the few minutes I have with you before Isaiah comes up about being faithful to God. I believe when we left that hotel, I wasn't faithful to what God wanted to do, divine appointments. I believe every day we have multiple divine appointments. And I'm, if you don't believe it, I want you just to try it out when you wake up in the morning and say, God, I just say this. Say, God, I ask today for divine appointments and watch what will happen. Watch what will happen. You know what I tell people, church? I say, when God lays something on your heart, because often you know when you're at the grocery store, you know when you're at a place and you hear God and you, you feel like that little nudge in your heart to pray for somebody and you don't do it because fear grips you and you just feel inadequate and all that stuff. You feel timid. That's Come on, all of us feel that way. But I just want to encourage you tonight when you leave this place, whenever you feel that nudge in your heart, you feel the Holy Spirit laying something on your heart to do, something to say to somebody, to step out in faith, to step out of your comfort zone, listen to these words. I encourage you. To move without hesitation because people are waiting on your immediate obedience. You got to hear me in this refuge church. You got to move without hesitation. You know, what, you know what I love what Isaiah said the other night? He said, people, we literally are the determining factor of somebody going to heaven for all of eternity or going to hell for all of eternity. But it all depends on us stepping out of our comfort zone. Listen, what God did for me wasn't just something that happened to me. It's something that works through me in the public place that he, I can allow the light of Christ to shine through me in a way that I've never allowed him to do before. Is there anybody hearing me tonight I'm the only one that wants to be bold for the gospel I believe that God is not looking for perfection or people who seem to have it all together he, he's simply searching for those who will be committed and faithful and if you don't know what faithfulness is I'm telling you it's being loyal steadfast and dependable I believe that God is depending on us to do what he's called us to do what do we say I believe Friday night people out there are waiting on what call, God has called you to do you got to hear that for a second. People are waiting on what God has called you to do. Because you can reach people I can't reach. I can reach people you can't reach. You might be a leg and I might be an arm, but we're all still part of the body of Christ. But what are you doing to be effective for the kingdom of God? I'm here just to let a fire ignite in you that people need what you carry people need what's on the inside of you and i believe even the first two of the ten commandments in exodus 20 i'm almost through here and isaiah is going to come up deals directly with our being faithful to god the word of god says you shall have no other gods before me you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below you shall not bow down to them or worship them for i the lord your god am a jealous god these are the words given directly from god to moses for all people for all 
our time. And I believe what is our priority? What are we placing first place in our life that's not God? And, and I'm telling you, if it's not God, everything else is going to fall out of place. But when Jesus is first place in your life, everything else begins to fall into place. This is my heart cry tonight. That we would be a people that would be faithful to God. Be, be a people that would be committed to the mission. That we would be a generation that would be so filled with passion and fire and conviction. That we would be a generation that would say, God, intensify my conviction of spending time with you. I want to be a part of a generation that says, God, intensify my, the conviction of being faithful to you. Being faithful to the one who died to know me. Are we, are we faithful to God? And I believe that since God assumes a covenant with, with a relationship with his people, he's declaring that he will not tolerate unfaithfulness or competition with anything else. I'm going to say that again. Since God assumes a covenant relationship with us in this place, he's declaring that he will not tolerate unfaithfulness or competition with anything else. I'm telling you, an idol can be in the form of anything that you might place in a higher priority over God. This includes false images of worship or placing anything in our lives that has preeminence over God this is my question before I introduce Isaiah what has first place in your life what in your life are you placing above God because if God is not above everything else in your life everything else like I said will fall out of place the word of God says in Matthew seek first the kingdom of God in all his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you am I preaching to myself here We got to get back to being faithful to God. We got to get back to that place where God is number one in our life. He's first place in our life. And if it's pulling you away from him, then it needs to go. And that might offend you tonight. I, it doesn't really matter. If it's pulling you away from Jesus, it's got to go. That boyfriend, that girlfriend, that, that thing, whatever it is, Netflix, Facebook, Instagram. You know, one time, anybody play Game Pigeon if you got an iPhone in here? If you don't, we, the altar call will be open to get delivered in Jesus' name. But uh, uh, there's this thing called Game Pigeon. Anybody, is this foreign? Am I the only one that plays Game it's just you can play ping pong, you can text it to somebody, play eight ball pool, you get the point. Well, I was playing this in my room one night. I was literally playing this, and I had my Bible open. I planned to just, you know, I was about to, it was time to pray, it was time to read, time to worship. And I was spending so much time playing, I was like addicted. Like I was playing like seven different people in these games. I'm just a very competitive person, so I'm like, I, I'm, I'm just sending these texts back, these games. And, and this is what God spoke to me. He said, when are you going to stop playing that game and start pursuing me? And I believe that's what God is saying to you tonight. When are you going to stop playing games and start pursuing me? When are you going to let that thing go and start placing me number one in your life? When are you going to stop playing church, stop playing religion, stop, like Isaiah said, making God sit through your compromise and your complacency and make Jesus number one in your life? What is it that you're waiting on God to do for you? What is it the, the promises of God that have not yet been fulfilled in your life that you're waiting for? What if it's just you saying, God, I'm going to make you first and then everything would be added unto me? That's what your word said. What if God is waiting for you to get your eyes off of everything else and keep your eyes and your gaze on the Father? And the moment you do that and the moment you lock eyes with Him, everything else will begin to fall. In the right place in your life. 
Isaiah comes up here, I just want to tell you guys that the most significant element in our Christian life is faithfulness to God. It's faithfulness to God. I believe that our faithful allegiance to God is the only thing that can that we can really count on in this life. I believe that he's our hope in a fallen world. His provision of forgiveness and salvation through Jesus is the greatest benefit of all if we are faithful believers. And I'll end with Lamentations, one of my favorite scriptures, 322 through 23. It says, his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. He's, he's so faithful to us. Why can we not be faithful back to Jesus? When I'm totally committed to being faithful to him and all to, and all to the, the things of God, the word of God, I'm telling you he totally commits himself to me so that I can succeed I'm gonna say that again as Isaiah gets ready to come up here when we're committed to him I'm telling you he will commit himself to us but where sometimes we get so caught up in everything else and distracted and hindered by the things of this world but God is saying come back to me and make me number one in your life and I'll watch what I'll do with you come on can you stand up to your feet at this night and get give it up for night Three, service four, Isaiah Saldivar. God's going to do something fresh tonight. Come on, let's get committed. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise. If we could just crank the mic up. I know I sound like Batman. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise. You could take your seat and feel free at any moment to stand. I am excited about what God is saying and about what God is doing. You know, in the Old Testament, they didn't have the liberty to praise the way we praise. They didn't have the liberty to shout the way that we shout. They didn't have the liberty to be excited in the house of God. Truth be told, that religion was a bit boring. And that's why Paul came and said that there is a new order. There is a new out pouring of the Holy Spirit and Paul said where the Spirit of the Lord is there is liberty in other words Paul said I'm giving you permission that you could be excited in the house of God Paul said I'm giving you permission that you could be passionate in the house of God that we have liberty and we have freedom tonight to be able to praise to be able to shout to be loud and excited there is coming a day where the world is coming to our meetings and I'm going to keep repeating myself just a tiny bit more volume and they are going to look at what we are doing and they're going to say what you guys are doing in the church is so much more exciting it's so much better than what we are doing there is coming a day where our services are not going to be boring come on help me preach tonight they are not going to be quiet they are not going to be dead but God is raising up an army in this hour and I believe the Lord is breaking the silence I believe God brought me and Matt here for us to break the silence, the silence that we have in praise, the silence that we have in worship, the silence that we have ministering to people, that God wants to break the silence. God wants to put boldness on the inside of you. Isaiah, I'm just some nice kid from Wisconsin. I know you're some wild kid from California, but you got to understand boldness is an attribute of the Holy Spirit that when you get the Holy Spirit you get a boldness on the inside of you a boldness to praise a boldness to shout one person praise the Lord tonight come on we're not going backwards tonight we're going from glory to glory to glory the Bible is about leveling up come on young people the Bible is about going to the next dimension the Bible is about advancing our God is never stagnant our God says I want you 
you to go from glory to glory. That means yesterday I was at one place, but I'm going to another place. The praise I had last night, the praise I have tonight is greater. The hunger that I had last night, the hunger that I have tonight is greater. Some of you are dry and dead because you've been in the same glory for a year. But God is saying, I want to advance you into a new level of glory. I want to advance you into a new place in my spirit. I want to bring you to a new dimension. I don't just want to encounter you in the natural. I want to encounter you in the spiritual. That our God is a God in spirit. And he's looking for those that would worship in spirit and in truth. He wants to encounter you in your bedroom. He wants to encounter you in your car. He said, Jeremiah, ask me and I will show you great and mysterious things. John said, I heard a voice that said, come up here. I want to show you things. Beloved, when you experience what he has, you're not going to want what this has. When you experience his power, you're not going to be intrigued by the power of darkness. We're obsessed with the culture and the supernatural realm and the things of this world. I'm going, when are we going to get an obsession with the presence of God? When are we going to be so hungry to get in the secret place and understand that we have full access into spiritual places, that we have access to angelic beings? I don't know about you, but I don't want my angels bored up in heaven. God showed me one day how many believers, angels that have been assigned to them are sitting up in heaven bored because we don't pray. We don't engage in spiritual warfare. Friend, warfare is not you arguing with other believers on Facebook. Warfare is not you complaining about every time we have a conference. Warfare is when you engage in the spirit. When you begin to pray and realize that God's not boring. God is not dead. But our God is alive. And I'm called and I'm chosen to fight in the spiritual realm that I've been given weapons. In fact, the Bible says that our weapons are not natural weapons, but we've actually been given supernatural weapons that we have power in spiritual places that I prophesy over you tonight that every demonic spirit that has held you down, every demonic spirit that has kept you from witnessing, every demonic spirit that has kept you from shouting and praising, every demonic spirit that has held your voice quite silent, every deaf and dumb spirit that has tried to hold you back. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus, that you've been set free, that there is power. I promise you, it's not God saying you don't have to do all that. I know the voice. We don't have to praise that way. We don't have to shout that way. We don't have to be that excited. We don't have to come to the altar. That voice last night, that voice this morning, that voice on Friday night that told you, you don't have to do all that. You don't have to go forward. The voice at the altar that says you don't need that, that is not the voice of God. That is the voice of the enemy. And I'm tired of the enemy's voice being louder than God's voice. I'm tired and believing in the power of enemy more than the power of God. I'm tired of giving the enemy all the credit. I want to get set free tonight. 
I want breakthrough tonight. I am tired of opening up portals to demonic powers. I'm telling you, our generation, the enemy has vomited on our generation through social media. I just want to show you all this amazing feature that every iPhone, now if you don't have an iPhone, we're going to pray with you tonight and you're going to get delivered from the Android spirit. Praise the Lord. But I just want to tell you, there is an amazing feature that will actually change your spiritual life. One of the greatest hindrances to our spiritual life is social media. One of the greatest hindrances to our spiritual life is our cell phones. We are living in a generation that is so disconnected. And you young people know on your college campus, everybody has their head down. Nobody's connecting. There's no relationships. We are all walking around fake on social media, living in depression, anxiety, and stress, and allowing the enemy into our lives through our phones. I'm all for the social media and the phone, but you better believe I will not be in bondage to an electronic device. I will not be in bondage to the plan of the enemy. Let me show you this feature. It's amazing, Pastor. People don't know about this feature anymore. I mean, some of y'all have never done this since you bought your phone, and we don't ever do this, but there's this feature. It's, it's incredible. If you hold your side button, if you hold your... That's my beautiful wife and baby. Come on. Praise the Lord for some... Praise the Lord. Come on, Matt. I, you receive it in the name of Jesus. And you know, that there's a special feature where if you hold that power button on the side and you hold the volume button, it's going to do this crazy thing. I want you to look at this. There's this thing on the very top, this feature called slide to power off. And I don't know if you know this, but it's actually possible to actually turn off your device and say, I am tired of living my life. I'm going to turn this off for an hour a day and I'm going to seek God in this secret place. In fact, Jesus instructs us to actually turn off our phones in prayer. What do you mean? Jesus said, when you pray, make sure that you go in the secret place and the key to God showing up young people, open up your ears, is for you to actually shut the door. Now, did Jesus mean I could only pray in a room where there's a door closed? No, he was not talking about a door in the natural. He was talking about a door in the supernatural realm. He was saying there is a door in your mind and every time you try and pray, every time you try and seek me, you're distracted by all these other voices and tonight God is going to silence every other voice of distraction. God is going to silence everything that's been preventing you from encountering in the spirit realm he says shut the door what am I going to eat tomorrow? What am I going to do tomorrow? The devil's more afraid of you praying than anything else. The devil is not afraid of you falling over. The devil's afraid of you changing. There's a lot of you that are falling over and shaking, but you're still addicted to pornography. There's a lot of us falling over, but we still cuss and we still drink. There's a lot of us falling over, but we don't have a prayer life. We don't read our Bibles. There's not a genuine hunger for the word of God. There's not an appetite for spiritual things. And I'm more interested. I love falling over. Listen, I'm as Pentecostal as I come. Praise God. I love falling over. I love pouring oil on people. Praise God. I love the gold dust. I love the miracles. But more than any of that, I want to see people transformed by the power of Almighty God. I got friends that could preach really well, but they don't know how to treat their wife. I got friends that could preach really well, but they still live in secret sin. I got friends that could preach but have no character. And I believe God is going to raise up a remnant in this hour that's not just going to preach good, 
good. That's not just going to shout on a microphone, but it's going to walk it out in their marriage, going to walk it out in their family, going to walk it out on their college. This world does not care that you speak in tongues. They care that you speak to your family properly. They care that you speak the word. How did Jesus fight the devil? The Bible says he fought the devil, not with good, his good ideas. He didn't fight the devil, which he could have, because he was God and everything he said was great. He didn't fight the devil from a YouTube sermon he heard. I had people coming to me all the time like, oh, I don't go to church. You are my church. I'm going, I'm not your church. If you think my YouTube videos and my Facebook videos, praise God, I'm glad you listened to them. But I'm not your pastor. I'm not your church. you got to get a part of a, belie- a bunch of believers that are going to stand arm in arm with you and say, I'm ready to fight for you and with you. I'm going to engage in and spiritual warfare with you. But friend, what you have to understand is the enemy is not threatened. See, God spoke to me one day. He said, Isaiah, part-time Christians will never be able to defeat full-time devils. He said, the church is struggling to clock in for an hour and a half while the devil's working overtime every night. He is strategizing even now. Young people, this is the most important thing you'll ever hear. He is strategizing on how to destroy you. He is strategizing on how to antagonize you. He is strategizing on how to influence you and addict you. That's why Paul said we got to put on the armor of God to withstand the strategies of the enemy that you are more than conquerors in Christ. That you've been given, oh I wish somebody would help me in this Catholic church. You've been given the same spirit that raised Christ is alive on the inside of you. I'm going, I'm so sad. I wasn't going to say tired of it, but I'm going to be a little bit more sympathetic for the last night. Some of y'all have been beating you up all weekend, so I'm just going to try to heal you up here tonight. I'm so sad by all these young people. I'm just struggling with pornography. I'm going, you're not struggling. You're not battling. You're not fighting. It was not a struggle to power up your laptop, to type in the website, and to sit there for an hour. There's no struggle in that. When I see struggle, I see a man that carried a cross, that went to that hill called Golgotha, that was beat and lashed. The Bible says beat beyond recognition. Why? Why did they beat Jesus beyond recognition? You could not even recognize him because they had to make him look like you. They beat him unrecognizably. The Bible says that the one that knew no sin, he didn't die for your sin. The Bible says he died as your sin, that he became sin so that you could become the righteousness of God. So miss me with all that. Oh brother, I'm struggling again. It's time to break out of the struggle. It's time to get delivered and stay delivered. It's time to get the fire and stay on fire. I don't just want to break through. I want to stay through. Lord. Like you have these powerful encounters and then six months ago, I just don't know about this whole God thing. I'm going, really? You don't know about this whole God thing? What about that deliverance you had? What about that encounter you had? The devil's going to try to, after this weekend, lie to you and say it wasn't real. You really didn't encounter him. You really don't know him. But I, I rebuke every lie of the enemy. This is real. What God is doing in this place is genuine. That God's word is going forth. But you got to know the word to be able to fight the enemy. It has to be 
be more. People say, brother, now I'm not against putting scriptures up. Praise the Lord. But everywhere I travel, like, can you send out all your scriptures? I'm going, no, I'm not going to send you my scriptures because I'm tired of spoon feeding a bunch of baby Christians. You need to get and dive in this word. Young people, the only way you will find out who you are is not through Instagram or through Facebook or from a magazine or a movie. This is the only place where you will find what you were created to do. This is the only place that you will be equipped to fight demonic powers. See, here's the problem. The devil knows the Bible better than you. In fact, the Bible says the devil trembles and believes, yet he's not saved. And we don't even tremble at all in the church. In fact, when Jesus went to the tomb, a man with 2,000 plus demons, the Bible says, was trembling and got on his knees and began to worship Jesus. And I'm going, when's the last time we responded like that? I mean, demon-possessed people are responding better than the church. We have become so prideful and so arrogant. And I'm going, I don't want demons to tremble, and I don't tremble. One guy told me, I'm not into that whole shaking thing. I said, that's all right. The Bible says the mountains shake at the presence of God. Maybe you haven't experienced the presence of God, but in his presence, there is joy. There is peace. There is fullness of life. Everything you've been looking for. It's not in girls. It's not in alcohol. There is nothing out there that could fill you. You better help me preach. If you have a testimony, there is nothing out there that could satisfy. There is nothing out there that could heal you. There is nothing out there that could deliver you. There is only one man that could satisfy. There is only one man that can heal. Some of y'all have been looking for love in all the wrong places. Love is found in this. Love is found in Christ. It is only by his power. It is only by his spirit that you could get set free. But we don't know the Bible. So when the devil comes, we're like, we rebuke you. And he's going, you rebuke me in the name of who? Well, I can't rebuke you in the name of Jesus because I don't know Jesus. I can't give you any scriptures because I don't know any scriptures. I know every player on the Packers. I know every player on the Raiders. I know every player on the Warriors. I know all the names of all. I'm telling you, you have everything memorized. You know every character from your favorite sitcom. And I'm going, when are you going to know the Bible? When are we getting the place where we know the word of God? That we're able to defend him in season and out of season? When are we going to get to the place? where we say, I'm not moved by what happens. I'm not moved by what's going on around me. I'm grounded in the word of God. I'm grounded in the spirit that I know God. It's deeper than my encounter. It's deeper than a spiritual experience. Does God want to experience you in the spiritual more than you'd ever know? Does God want to meet me more than you'd ever know? But God goes, if I meet you and you don't get this, and this is not in my notes. This is all prophetic tonight of what God is having me speak to you in this moment. But if I get to know you, but you don't get to know this, this is how we get to know God. I just want God to speak to me. Read the Bible out loud. This is the word of God. We need a holy obsession with God's word. We can't know him outside of his word. So we get off on all these YouTube. Stop following all these YouTube preachers that have no fruit and that don't preach the word. you got to get around some people that say, listen, we're not going to get together to have a Fortnite tournament. We're not going to get together to have a movie night. We're not going to get together to gossip or to take Instagram photo shoots and selfies. We're going to get together and we are going to read and digest the word of God. And we're not just going to read it, but it's going to read us. That is the only thing that could transform. It's the only book that is alive. From the first two weeks of getting saved, I couldn't even read 
this book, I would literally open it up, Bishop, and I would start shaking and crying. And I would tell my family, you don't understand, this book is alive. That it's living, that it's active, that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. That your calling and your destiny is found in God's word. In fact, you got to realize how bad God is. God's so bad in a good way. By the way, when we say bad in California, that's a good thing. God is so bad that he says, listen, I'm so God and I'm so bad that I'm going to declare my strategy for the end time army in the word. I'm going to give you the end times, what's going to happen in the end. And I'm so bad, even though the devil knows what I'm about to do, he still can't stop me because I've written the end from the beginning that I'm the God that has power over every demonic force. But I got to get more serious than the demons. I got to get more serious. I got to spend more time in the spiritual realm than I do in the natural realm. I got to get to a place where nothing else matters. I'll tell my sister at lunch today. I was saying, when you go to a hotel, you don't say, I live in hotels. I can't stand hotels. Praise God that I'm staying at Bishop's house. I'm going, praise the Lord, I can sleep in a normal bed. When I get to a hotel, how many people know that I'm not decorating my hotel room? I'm not taking pictures down and buying furniture from Ikea and building it in my room. I don't ever, you don't decorate hotel rooms. You don't change the furniture. Why? Because it's a temporary place that you're only going to stay in temporarily and move out and that's what Jesus said about this life young people stop trying to live the American dream stop trying to acquire wealth and influence and status and prestige when you got to realize that you are not citizens of earth but you are citizens of heaven the Bible calls you an alien that you are barely just passing through that I'm not attached to this life I'm attached to Christ that I've been crucified with him I've been crucified to this world I've been cut off from this culture I live different I walk different I watch different come on help me preach in this quiet church tonight I act different I'm not who I was I am a new creature in Christ every demonic power has been broken every strategy and curse every hex has been broken in the name of Jesus Beloved, we need deliverance for young people in the American church. We need to raise up people that say, I don't need to wait till I graduate Bible college. One guy said, oh, brother, you shouldn't be baptizing people. You need to graduate Bible college. By the way, for all you Pharisees, I did graduate. I have a bachelor's in theology. Praise the Lord. You can put that in your religious pipe and smoke it. But here's the bottom line. I tell people all the time, Peter had the Holy Ghost for five minutes and 3,000 got saved. Peter did not go to cemetery. I mean seminary. Peter did not graduate Bible college. I love Bible college. I would tell you, go to Bible college. But I will say this as well. I do not wait until you go to Bible college to preach on your campus. Do not wait till you go to Bible college. Some of you have been waiting, but I just want to get behind that pulpit. Your pulpit is your college. Your pulpit is your job. Your pulpit is your family. Some of you fathers want to preach up here, but you don't even preach in your home. Oh, you better help me tonight. Some of you young people want to preach here, but you won't even preach at school. You won't even preach at Starbucks. And God says, I want the pulpit to be portable your pulpit is your tennis shoes not waiting Matt's not waiting Come on, Matt's not waiting. Matt's preaching everywhere he goes. Why? Because the gospel is portable. The way, same way I take my iPhone everywhere I go, I take the gospel everywhere I go. God is mobilizing an end time army that is going to be fully equipped to destroy darkness. See, the enemy knows that if you get in an environment of prayer, if you get in an environment of fasting, if you get in an environment of the word of God, do you know why there's so much resistance tonight? Do you know why there's voices telling you, oh, that preacher is just too wild? That is the enemy knowing that if 
you get in this atmosphere, if you get in a church like this with the presence and the fire of God, that he has no chance. In fact, in the book of Acts, the Bible says, as Paul was going to prayer, a demon-possessed girl began to harass Paul. The girl was not concerned with Paul until he went to prayer. The girl wasn't concerned about Paul's gatherings. She wasn't concerned about Paul's tent making. She didn't harass Paul at all till he decided to go to prayer. The enemy will begin to harass you when you begin to get on fire for God. You got to realize, but I love what God says. Now I'm coming out of one of the hardest years and you better help me preach of my life. Every pastor I've talked to says this has been the hardest year. There has been really, it's been a national trial the church has gone through. I'm telling you, my wife, my family, everybody I know has had the, the hardest year of their lives, but I'm telling you, we are coming out of the fire not even smelling like smoke we are coming out of the fire with a new praise i thank god for everything i've been through this year because i have a special type of praise it's called if it had not been for god praise if it had not been for his healing power i should have been dead if it had not been for his healing power that divorce would have ended my faith oh but i'm grateful for his mercy that he works all things the book of romans says together for the good of those who love him and are called according he works what things the good things he goes i work all things and my mother-in-law makes these cakes every year when we go camping and matt you've had them the cinnamon cakes i mean this is amazing cake and every year i'm like i look forward to her making this she makes me it like five times a day and if you know my diet my diet is rock stars and candy pray for me y'all okay i don't need your diet plan i just need prayer praise the lord okay and i'm sitting there every day i'm waiting it's all i want to eat and it's amazing when i, I watch her actually make it one day i'm not a cook i'm not a baker some of you are much better than me so you know all about cooking i mean i have trouble boiling water praise the lord but i look at her make this and I'm looking at the eggs and the raw I'm looking at the flour I'm looking at the sugar I'm looking at all the ingredients and all the ingredients are nasty you would never like to eat raw eggs you'd never like to eat raw flour raw sugar does not taste good vanilla extract does not taste good and she takes a bunch of ingredients that are bad a bunch of ingredients by themselves do not taste good a bunch of ingredients are you getting where I'm going by themselves are not good but somehow when she mixes them all together. I came to preach to somebody tonight. Somehow when she mixes them all together and she puts them under the fire what was once bad becomes good. And God says I'm like that. That I take all the bad things that have happened to you this year and I'm mixing them all together and I'm putting my fire on them and something amazing is getting ready to come out of your pain. Something amazing is getting ready to come out of your trial. Something amazing is getting ready to come out of your pain. God is working even when you don't feel it. God is moving even when you don't sense it. You got to stop being stubborn. What did God tell Israel? You're stiff-necked. You're just not willing to move and bold, bend and fold and you're not willing to adapt and you're not willing to do what God's doing and be a part of what God's doing and you're stuck in the old when God's trying to do the new and you're just stubborn and everyone around you's excited and you're not and everybody around you's at the church and you're not and everybody around you's catching the vision but you're not. I was thinking last night Bishop Malik made us popcorn. My wife loves popcorn. In fact, I just got home and she shops at Costco which she probably shouldn't because we always have way too much food and she 
bought a 55 pack of popcorn. I said, honey, do we really need 55 packs? Is enough to last us till Jesus can Jesus might come back before we finish all this popcorn. And I'm not a huge popcorn fan, but my wife is. And last night, even Bishop made it. My wife always makes it, and I'm always amazed. How many know that when you make popcorn at the end of you eating, there is always a bunch of kernels left over? And I begin to think about it. I'm going, how is it that these kernels were in the same heat? They were in the same environment. They were in the same place as all the other kernels. But they were too stubborn to pop. And I believe God's getting ready to pop off some stubborn kernels. I believe some of you have been in this atmosphere. And you've been bitter and stubborn. But God says it's time to pop off. It's time to release his power. It's time to release his anointing. He's given you a fire. He's given you a passion. When are you going to get tired of being dry? You're just dry. You know, I'm not looking at you. Y'all, I got no glasses on, praise the Lord. So I'm not even looking at you. But some of you are just dry and dead. I mean, people get around you. I don't know why no one wants to be a believer. They don't want to be like you. You're just not happy. I have to tell people, I'm like, tell your face to smile. Be excited. You've been redeemed. You've been saved. I mean, do you even know what he's done? How are we just going to sit there like we just had a sour candy in the house of God? Some of y'all need a cup of coffee. I'm going, where is our praise and our excitement? God is restoring the flame. He's restoring boldness. He's restoring passion. We got to have eyes to see. We need to get back what we've lost. We need to get back his presence. In fact, in Luke chapter 2, one of the wildest stories in the Bible, and I'm not going to be much longer tonight because I've already preached four times, praise the Lord. But I'm looking at this story and I'm looking at them and they're irresponsible. I think about Mary and Joseph and they are responsible with Jesus. Bishop, I've read that. I go, how can you raise him. I mean, can you imagine raising God? I mean, how do you spank God? Like, Joseph, it's your turn to spank him. Like, I can't marry. He's God. I mean, if I spank him, I'll get hit by lightning. I mean, can you imagine grounding Jesus? Jesus, go to your room. It's like, how do you tell God to go to his room? Yet the Bible says he subjected himself to parents. And I've read this over and over again, and I could relate to the story in Luke 2. Because I know what it's like to lose something. I lose stuff all the time. And like any good husband, anytime I lose something, my first response is, Honey, where did you put it? God knows I didn't lose it. You lost it. And my wife always tells me this, Bishop. She says, where was the last place that you had it? See, the way to find what you've lost is to go to the last place you've had it and some of you have lost the presence of God some of us tonight have lost Jesus I know how easy it is to go through the motions and to pretend that we have a relationship and to pretend we have a hunger for the word and to pretend we have a hunger for prayer and to pretend that we're desperate and meanwhile realize we've lost Jesus Bible says they're on their way to Jerusalem for Passover Every single year they go to Passover. What's Passover? We know Passover was, <coughs> was about Jesus. It was about how the angel of death passed over Egypt and Jesus would be the last lamb and that when death and when the hex and the curse and the spell and all that hell has would try to attack us, Jesus said it has to pass you over because of my power and because of my blood. And the Bible says that Mary and Joseph are on this way to this trip. They're on this journey like many of you young people. We are all on a journey and it is easy in the midst of our journey, in the midst of our pursuit for our degree, in the midst of our pursuit for a good job to actually do what Mary and Joseph 
Joseph did. Now I've read this story in Luke 2. Spoiler alert, they lose Jesus. And I'm going, how could you be so dumb to lose Jesus? And then God told me, how many times have you lost me? How many times have you been so busy with your job? Been so busy with all of your little world that you do? With your video games and your movies and your music and your college and your friends and your career that you've actually looked back and said, I don't even have Jesus in my life. I still go to church, yes, but I don't have Jesus in my personal life. See, my heart these three days is that you would go home with Jesus. It's not that you'd go home with a revival lifestyle shirt, which by the way, you get some in the back. I hope you buy some shameless plug, but it's that you'd go home with the presence of God. My desire is that the conference did not start on Friday, but it starts on Monday morning when you make a decision and am I going to walk with Jesus? Am I going to have Jesus? Am I going to love Jesus? Is there a relationship? See, the Bible says on the journey, they lost Jesus. They're over there worshiping at the festival, but they do not realize that they've lost the one that the festival is about. See, they didn't lose him on the way to the service. They didn't lose him at the service. They lost him after the service. See, the problem is not our prayer in church. The problem is not our worship in church. The problem is not our commitment in the church. It's do I have it after I leave? Do I have his presence after the service? Do I have his presence at my job? Do I have his presence on Monday morning? Anybody could praise in the church. Anybody could shout in the church. Anybody could be excited in the house of God. But are you as excited Monday morning? Tuesday, do you pray? Wednesday, let's let's look at this last week. I'm not here to condemn you, but I'm here to be a fruit inspector. This last week, did I have a personal time with God? Is there a hunger? It goes beyond having to. It's when you get to a place where you go, I want to. There's a desire. My wife does not make me talk to her. My wife does not make me hang out with her. I want to. Why do you want to? Because I'm in love with her. See, love drives me to do what I would never do otherwise. The way I'm able to sit at the mall, which I can't stand for two hours, and watch my wife try on stuff she doesn't plan to buy is because I love her and I know that me being with her pleases her and makes her happy we need to get to a place with Jesus where we go I love you I want to spend time with you I want to get to know you I want to pursue you see when you're in love everything else goes out the window Come on, y'all. How many know when you first met your girlfriend or your wife and you were obsessed? I mean, you would do anything. I could remember quitting jo- quitting jobs, moving shifts around. And, you know, can you hang out? On, I can't hang out, but Wednesday night. Well, I work Wednesday night. And how many know, y'all, if she could hang out on Wednesday night, that's the only time she could hang out, you're going to find someone to cover your shift. You're like, yeah, I'm busy all week. She's like, okay, well, I want to hang out. Oh, I'm not busy. Why? Because you move everything around. I'm talking about the days where you used to be on the phone with her all night long and you had to work in the morning, but you didn't care because love provoked you to do what you would have never done before. You are obsessed. You are pursuing. And God says, I want you to pursue me. I want you to be in love with me. The same way you're refreshing that girl's Instagram every 10 minutes waiting for her to post a new picture. God says, when are you going to keep opening my word and wait to hear something new? When are you going to refresh my spirit and expect me to receive, to speak something to you? We need people that would be obsessed See, the Bible says they didn't just lose him, but the Bible says they did not miss him at first. 
Here's what I've noticed about people that have lost Jesus. You don't recognize it right away. It's a slow fade. It's like they say if you put a frog in the, the, the water and you put the heat up slowly, it'll boil and die and never jump out because it was a slow kill. And we don't realize it when we lose the presence of God. We don't recognize it. Here's why. Because we begin to replace his presence with other things in our life. We begin to replace his presence with a relationship. It is amazing how on fire young people are until they get in a relationship. It is amazing how on fire people are until they have kids and they get married. And now they replace their zeal for God with their kids, with their wife, with a house, with a career, but we don't notice it at first. And then we get to a place where we go, I have no relationship with God. I don't know how I lost it. There was a time where I was in love. There was a time where I was radical. There was a time where Jesus was right next to me. Here's the reality. Every one of you have been entrusted with Jesus. Every one of you have been entrusted with God's anointing and God's power. And it is our response ability to make sure we don't lose that. Don't worry, I'm not going to fall off the stage. It is our responsibility to make sure that we keep them in our life, that we keep them close in our marriage. I don't want to lose Jesus in my marriage. I don't want to lose Jesus in my ministry. I don't want to lose, come on, somebody better help me in my prayer life. I want to make sure I have Jesus. There's one thing the enemy can't take from me, and that's Jesus. There is one thing I can forfeit, and that's Jesus. The enemy can't take him, but I could forfeit him. See, the Bible says that Mary and Joseph, I'm almost done, begin to scramble because they realized they had lost God. I'm not talking about losing your car keys, losing your glasses, losing your iPhone, losing your Apple Watch, losing your AirPods. I'm talking about being entrusted with God himself and actually losing God when you've been entrusted with him. And they begin to scramble. The Bible says they frantically looked for three days. See, when you lose Jesus, you are not casual about it. When you lose Jesus, you are not soft about it. When you lose Jesus, you got to get frantic and say, tonight I'm doing whatever I have to do to find him. I'm doing whatever I have to do to make sure that I don't leave him at the conference, but I actually bring him home. I do everything I have to do to make sure I don't leave him at Passover. Jesus is tired of being left at church. He's tired of being left in Jerusalem. He's tired of getting left behind. He wants to go home with you. He wants to go to school with you. He wants to go to work with you. Jesus wants to go everywhere. I can get the worship team up. The Bible says they search three days frantically. They finally find Jesus. We know the story. He's in the synagogue. And the first thing that comes out of Mary's mouth is how could you do this to your father and I? Isn't it not amazing that when we lose the presence of God, is it not amazing when we lose the fire of the anointing of God, the first one to blame is always God. We never recognize that Jesus did not lose us. We lost him. I don't know if you know Mary, but you're the one that left him behind. He did not leave you behind. And I came to pray prophesy over somebody that thinks that Jesus has left them. I came to prophesy over somebody that's lost the fire and the passion. Jesus did not leave you. You left him. He did not draw away from you, but you drew away from him. And tonight is your night to come back and say, Jesus, I'm ending this conference with you, with me. He says, how could you do this? This is what Mary says, Bishop. Your father and I have been frantically looking for you for three days. And Jesus, the first words recorded in scripture from Jesus are right here in Luke chapter 2. Is the first words that would come out of his mouth in the gospels. He says, why would you look for me? Did you not know 
that I would be about my father's business? He said, in other words, the reason why you don't have me in my, your life is because you're not about my father's business and I'm about my father's business. And I show up and I manifest when you do things about my father's business. How many know that when you witness to somebody, that's the father's business? How many know when you read your Bible, that's the father's business? How many know when you pray for the sick, that's the father's business? When you baptize, that's the father's business. Have you ever realized that when you're witnessing outside the church, there's more power? Have you ever realized when you baptize someone, there's like a there's like an increased presence of God when you disciple someone like you meet up at Starbucks and you start teaching them about God and you just feel the fire and the presence of God it's because Jesus will always be attracted to his father's business Jesus will always be attracted if you have not seen Jesus manifest in your life it might be because you're not doing anything he doesn't manifest during Netflix I watch Netflix. I've yet to have an encounter with God while I'm watching Netflix. Maybe the Bible series, praise God. But I've never sat there and been like, oh my gosh, and encountered God. Yet I can tame countless times where God's brought me in visions and in trances and encounters when I've been in the place of prayer crying out to him. I'm talking about where you go to prayer at 10 o'clock in the morning and you blink your eyes and you feel like you've been praying for five minutes and you look at your watch and it's 2 p.m. I'm talking about getting lost in the spirit. There's been moments where I prayed. I thought it was 15 minutes. It was five hours. Why? Because God takes you into another dimension. Paul said, I've seen things I can't even talk about. Jesus said, Mom, did you not know I would be about my father's business? The newer translation says, did you not know I would be at my father's house? If you've lost him, where should I find him? You find him in his father's house. Aren't you glad tonight that you're in a place where Jesus is? Aren't you glad tonight that if you've lost him tonight, you could get him and you could take him home? See, Jesus left the father's house to go home and be with some unperfect people named Mary and Joseph. I read that story, I go, man, that's powerful. And when I was reading that recently, God said, that wasn't the first time Jesus did that. I say, what? say that again. That wasn't the first time Jesus left the Father's house to go home and be with imperfect people. Because I'm telling you, friend, you might be new here tonight, but 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus left the Father's house, left heaven, and entered humanity to be among a broken, imperfect, unbalanced people. And I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that His mercy delivered me. I'm so glad that our God is a God of love and grace and mercy. And tonight, I know you're imperfect tonight I know you don't have it all together but he says I still want to go home with you come on who's ready to bring Jesus home who's ready to take him into our campuses who's ready to take him into our schools who's ready to say I'm tired of leaving you at Passover I'm tired of missing your presence I'm tired of not having you in my life I want to know him Bishop, I don't want people to know me as a great preacher. I want people to know that I know him. I want people to say, yeah, Isaiah's a great preacher, but he knows God. I want to be in the green room. They go, man, when Isaiah talks, I feel God on him. Not because he preaches good. Not because he ministers good or plays this or does that or has a following. But because he spends time in the secret place. Because he's connected to Jesus. I want. I remember working at Starbucks getting radically saved. And people coming through the drive-thru and staring at me. Now, I know I'm not the best looking, praise the Lord. And I know some of these girls were not. Why are they staring at me? Even guys, why are they staring at me? And I remember countless times people going, there's something about you. 
There's something. These are not believers, by the way. I'm at Starbucks praying for people through the drive-thru. Praise God. There's something. I'd want to let you know. There's something about you. I can't, I can't stop looking at you. By the way, she was not, it wasn't like that. Praise the Lord. But she was staring at you. I just can't stop looking into your eyes. I'm going, I don't know. She's going, there's something like in you or on you. I, I mean, countless customers are looking. I'm going, that's not me. That's the fact that Jesus is with me. You are seeing Jesus. When Wisconsin sees us, they ought to see Jesus. I want Jesus to be the number one. I want Jesus to be what people say. I want people to say, yeah, he's a good preacher, but he's is relationship with Jesus I mean it's off the hook that guy loves like Jesus that guy preaches like Jesus that guy talks like Jesus that guy lives like Jesus that guy acts like I mean he just you can't you can't get him mad if you tried people are always like I don't want to offend you I'm like I dare you to try you can't offend me you can't. I'm telling you. I don't care if you come up me and punch me in the face. I would love you. I'm not. I, you can't offend me. You can't make me mad. I mean, I don't. I don't know. You ask my wife. I don't know if she's seen me mad. I'm not bragging, but I just don't know if my wife has ever seen me mad since we've been. I don't get mad. I don't get angry. I just. I just. I want to be like him. I want to know him. I realize that these things are illegal. If I'm like Jesus, if Jesus didn't get angry for dumb reasons, that I'm not authorized to get angry for dumb reasons. If Jesus did not have to live his life battling anxiety then I don't have to live my life battling anxiety if I boast in anything let it be in Christ I'm not bragging I'm just saying there's a level you can get to well why don't you watch that movie Isaiah would Jesus watch it I know that whole slogan what would Jesus do is cheesy but it's the most biblical slogan you could ever say would Jesus go to that movie would Jesus talk to that girl like that would Jesus send a guy a picture come on you better help me would Jesus be on that Instagram page I don't think Jesus would be on the explore page of Instagram come on help me guys I don't think Jesus would be sliding into ladies DMs the way we do I want to be like him and you know every time I pick up this word and I read about him I realize how far I am and you know what the distance when I read and go, man, I'm not like him at all. You know what it does? It drives me to the altar. It drives me to prayer. It drives me to worship. I have never, ever done a service and then been like, I don't need to respond to this altar call. I responded to my own altar call and got saved again this morning after I preached. Because there's one thing I've never heard Bishop God tell me at an altar. I've never heard this. I've been to over a thousand altar calls. So I, I have some validity to say this. I've never heard Jesus when I've come to the altar. I've never heard Jesus say, you're good. You're good. You're fine where you're at, Isaiah. You don't need to change. Everything's good. I don't need to transform you. I look at people all the time, sit back in the altar, and I'm going, man, they're way farther ahead than me because I come to the altar every week, and every time I come, God gets his finger and goes, I don't like that. I need you to change that. I want you to do this. I want you to be more light. And God's always pushing and pressing and molding and shaping and constructing my life. He's the potter. I'm the clay. And he's always bending and breaking and moving and molding. And when I come to the altar, I'm just putting my life on the potter's will and I'm saying God I want to be the vessel that you've called me to be I want to be the person you've called me to be we're going to do Bishop's going to take up an offering in just one minute here but after that we're going to pray specifically for those that are sick but not only that we're going to pray for the sick and I'm going to ask just the sick to come to the altar but you could respond from your chair tonight maybe you're not sick in body but when I get back up to do this altar call I want to challenge you as Matt said to take a spiritual inventory and say I don't need 
need you to lay hands on me. I need to find where I lost Jesus. At what point did I lose my fire? At what point did I lose my passion? And I just want to preface this altar by saying this. There is no condemnation tonight. Zero. Do not come up to me after and say, I just feel so condemned. No, don't do that. There's no condemnation for them that are in Christ. All you have to do is repent and say, God, I'm turning away from my ways and I'm following your way. I want to know you. I want to serve you. God is not mad at you. He is madly in love with you. God is not hiding. He's not distant. God wants to reveal himself to you tonight, but you have to open up. Would you welcome up Bishop tonight? Come on, give him a hand. Wow, what a powerful message. You know, as he was speaking, I was thinking about just this one question. What do you want to be known for? What do you want your reputation to be? The Apostle Paul made it clear. He said that I may know him, that I may be found in him, that I may know the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, that there was a connection with Christ that he so longed for. And, and he made the statement in Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I that liveth, but it's Christ that lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. Wow. I mean, there's so much that could be said. We're, we're going to receive an offering. And, and let me just say, and from this perspective, Giving to God is a form of honor. Honoring Him. You, you can't pay for your salvation. You can't pay for what God can do for you. But we can respond in a heart to give back to Him through our giving. And giving isn't just about money. It's about time. It's about attention. It's about your commitment to serve and volunteer. Giving affects so many dimensions of our life and you were created to give God so loved that he gave and if you have him in your life you have that DNA just a question to ask you what if we chose to give and live generously I believe the heart of giving is love that is expressed through obedience and how we express ourselves. And one aspect of that is through giving. And we want to give you an opportunity to honor God. This offering tonight is going to meet the expenses and is a love offering for Isaiah and Matt. Uh, if, if you brought your tithe tonight, make sure you designate everything else will go towards these meetings and to bless these men of God that have come and, and given of themselves. And so you ask God what he would have you do. Now, as we were coming into this week, as I was praying, I asked God for a figure, Lord, what should we believe for? And God gave me a figure of $8,000. And I think that would cover everything and beyond so that we could bless these men of God, so that every expense can be met. Now, the joy is you don't have to write the check for the entire amount, <laughs> but you can do your part, whatever that is, however small, however great, 
because every gift is significant when it's done out of a heart of love and sincerity. So we want to give you that opportunity to honor God tonight. And we're not quite halfway there to meet that goal with what's come in. And so we're believing God that every need will be met tonight. And as we honor God, he will honor us. Because the scripture says, give, in Luke 6, 38, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. What we give to God, he multiplies it back to us. That's a principle that we may not understand in the natural, but it's, it's created by God and it's designed by him as an incentive for us to release from our lives to God what we can give to him. There's a number of ways you can give tonight. You can give through the offering envelope or text to give or as you see on the screen. And as you respond tonight, we're thanking God not only that he will meet the needs of this meeting, but also meet your needs and provide and supply for his kingdom work. Let's pray. Let's join our faith together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for willing obedience, for that we have received so much from you, and we cannot outgive you, but yet, Lord, we can release a gift tonight to you to honor you out of a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving. Father, as we invest in revival, as, as we give into the gospel, we thank you, Lord, for those who are kingdom builders, the desire to see your work accomplished in the earth, who desire to see your will accomplished in central Wisconsin. And Father, let these gifts tonight, let this offering tonight be used to further advance revival in central Wisconsin, to further accomplish a work in our lives. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Thank you, Father. We'll just take a moment and thank the Lord. Father, thank you for what you've done for us tonight, what you're doing and what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, give you praise. Thank you, Father. The host will pass the baskets at this time, and Isaiah's going to come back, and he's going to minister and uh, remain seating until the bucket passes by. So once the bucket passes, you can stand once it passes. Thank you, Jesus, God, that your power is in this place. I'm telling you, I believe tonight God wants to do supernatural miracles. Even my message I planned was about miracles, but praise God, he shifted the plan because he wanted to speak something different tonight. But nonetheless, God wants to move in signs and wonders. There's some of you that came sick tonight. You've come sick for the last three days. We've been watching God just in our personal revival that I pastor in California. We have watched a supernatural wave of miracles break out in the last two months. God has been moving in signs and wonders and miracles. And I believe tonight, Matt has been traveling all over America seeing supernatural miracles in his ministry. I believe tonight there's going to be an outpouring of miracles. Some of you that came in with cancer, some of you that came in with pain in your body, with just weary 
weariness in your body, that God is going to break it tonight. If you're in this place with every eye closed, if you're in this place, first I want to call the, the prayer team. If you've been assigned to pray for people in this church and you've been released by Bishop Matt, I want you just to line up here in the front of this altar. If you're a part of the prayer team and leadership, just line up right here at this altar. With every eye closed, just line up at this altar. And here's what I want to do, prayer team. I want to pray specifically for each person. I want to pray specifically for their sickness. I want you, when you pray for them, I want you to ask them. Me and Matt are also going to join you and pray. But I want you to ask them what it is. And I want you to go after that. Go after that. Pray for that specifically. You don't have to pray for five minutes per person, but just specifically pray healing. And then ask them how they feel after. Once you've received prayer for healing, I'm going to ask you to go back to your chair. Why? All, the only reason is because I want to know who has not gotten prayer. Many times when we do these prayer altar calls, we miss people because it gets chaotic. But I'm going to ask you to go back to your chair after we pray for you so that we know who we still need to pray for. Does that make sense? And then we're going to give you a time towards the end that you can come up here and praise as we end the service. But right now, I just want to ask if there's pain in your body. Maybe you've been diagnosed. Maybe you have broken bones. Maybe you're a young person. You've been hurt in a car accident in sports. I'm going to ask you right now, if you need supernatural healing, just come out of your chair right now. If that's you, when you say, I need supernatural healing, come out of your chair. Don't, don't, don't be afraid. Don't run. Just, just come out of your chair right now. And we just want to lay hands on you. If that's you, you say, there's sickness in my body. There's pain. I need healing. I want you just to come out. And if everyone's praying for somebody, I want you just to come up here. Just come up here. Find somebody to pray for you. And if, if there's no one left over to pray for you, just come to the altar and we're going to get to every person. Just come forward. Just come forward. Come on. Come on, let's begin to pray. You guys can just begin to ask him right now and begin to pray. Come on, right now, there's some room up here. If that's you, just make your way as forward as you can, and we're going to pray for you. Me and Matt are going to pray for you. If you're in the aisles, just come up right here in the front, and just, just you can bow your head, you can close your eyes. We're going we're gonna to get pray for every single person. So just find your way at the altar, come forward so we know who you are, and we're going to make our way. As we sing this song, we're going to make our way through, and we're just going to pray for just supernatural healing tonight. Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.